The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hey guys, it's me, Chriselle Lim, co-founder and CMO of Bumo. As a busy working parent myself, I felt like there was a lack of options for parents and I personally needed more support. So that's what we're doing here on Being Bumo. We're here to make your life easier, a little less stressful, and help you navigate through this complex thing called parenting. So subscribe now to Being Bumo at applepodcast.com slash beingbumo or wherever you listen to podcasts. Oh, gotta go. See you guys soon. Hi, everyone. I'm Haley Hubbard, mom to three kids and wife to a touring artist. And I'm Jessica Diamond, a registered dietitian nutritionist with a master's in public health. And this is Meaningful Living. Every week, we're breaking down the overwhelming amount of parenting, nutrition, and lifestyle information into credible knowledge and simple tools. The Cliff Notes Guide to Feeling Confident in Your Everyday Choices. It takes a village. We're so excited to share ours with you. As we go into summer, I know we're all thinking about swim safety for our kids. It's something that's always been a priority to us, especially now that we have a pool and we spend a lot of time in the water in the summer, whether it's pools or oceans or lakes. It's been so important to us to give our kids the tools they need to feel confident and safe in their swimming. That's why we're so excited to share this episode today with Lisa King, who's our loved and trusted ISR swim instructor. She teaches infant swimming resources, which teaches self-rescue skills to get your infants and kids safe and independent in the water. It's been incredible watching all three of our kids transform and become such confident little swimmers and floaters. And I'm so grateful for her in our lives and for the intuitive and gentle approach that she has. In addition to being a registered nurse, she's a leading ISR instructor who's been a trailblazer training numerous other instructors and teaching so many kids she's lost count. Today, we break down the method to get your infants and kids safe and independent in the water, tips and tricks to get them acclimated with the water in a safe way, why you should avoid floaties, and how to find the right teacher for your child and your family in your area. We know that this can be such a sensitive topic, and while the water can be so fun, it can also be dangerous and lead to unimaginable consequences. Our goal today is to spread awareness and to help fellow parents and caregivers have more tools and peace of mind wherever it is your kids are swimming. Well, hey, Lisa. Hey. Thanks for having me. Thanks so much for being here and um, and doing this with us. Lisa did a swim session with our kids and all the neighbor kids this morning at our house. So so now we get to sit down and hash it out. Lisa, I'm so excited to have you here. There's so much about swim that I just don't know. And I think for so many parents, it's such an anxiety provoking thing. And so I love that we're going to cover the basics and help everyone just know how to handle swim with their kids so that we can have some safe summers. Mm-hmm. Lisa has made me feel so much more confident in having my kids by the pool and she's given my kids more confidence in, in their swimming. I mean, I've seen Olivia completely transform from when we started using Lisa with ISR and, and all of our kids. And so I'm so excited to share all of this because, you know, as a new parent, when Olivia was little, this is something I didn't know about. I had kind of heard about it. I was getting like little tidbits here and there from parents. And I think just having my kids in the pool was just such a nerve wracking thing. Or at that time, it was just a kid. Um, And so when I heard about ISR, I was like, wow, we have to do this. And the more I've learned about it, the more I'm like, everyone has to know about ISR and, and we have to get our kids proficient in ISR. And so 
thank you for what you do. It is a pleasure and a privilege for sure. I'm, I'm really happy to do it and be able to do it all these years. And I, I don't know how I'm going to ever, ever stop. <laughs> oh, well, Quite thank honestly. you. <laughs> the world needs a lot of leases. <laughs> um, but just to give everyone some context here, can you share what ISR is? I'd be happy to. ISR stands for Infant Swimming Resource, which is a global organization. We have international instructors all over the world now. Wow. When I trained many years ago, there were only 25 in the world. And now there's over 800. Wow. And so I feel privileged to be part of this big organization that really has been the leader and the pioneer for teaching self-rescue skills to children. And I mean, it still gives me chills mm-hmm. just to, to kind of think about what children can learn, even at six months, seven months. If they can, if you think about all the things that they learn on their own on land, it does carry over. And so with the right tools, the right approach, the safety protocols, it can be a very enjoyable, safe uh, experience for children mm-hmm. and parents need to be involved as well. It's not just the instructor and the child, the parents really, it's, it's like a, a group effort, right? You know, when it comes to, you know, everything that the child is learning and because they're learning on a sensory motor level, like learning how to ride a bike or drive a car with a stick shift, mm-hmm. there is so much muscle memory that it, they do retain it. They might pick up other habits and other little things and the skills need to grow with the child mm-hmm. because for instance, an infant at six months who learns how to roll over and float and then maybe comes back a year later, that's one of the biggest growth spurts that children have until puberty. So their body is completely different. Wow. And in fact, what I find very interesting is that when they come back at a year and a half and you put them in the water, their body will try to get small again. Like they'll try to get mm-hmm. small to feel that feeling that they had when they were an infant. Wow. I see that many times. It was very interesting. Oh, wow. I mean, so, so, so you're essentially, I mean, the first part of ISR is you're really teaching them to float so that if, if they, God forbid, fell in the pool, they could float and, and hopefully scream and someone would mm-hmm. hear them to come get them and they could survive. The rollback to float is the, the safety sequence. That mm-hmm. is the survival self-rescue, if you want to call it that. Um, that is the sequence that every child needs to learn, regardless of age. ISR focuses on six months, generally to about six years, because by then they can move on to stroke lessons or, or something else. Um, but that focus is not just rolling over and floating, If they can get themselves out, if they can rotate and turn around where they came from and get to safety, then they, if they can do it from swimming and Mm -hmm. I'll just define swimming as the use of arms and legs to propel yourself through the water. So that can look different from one child to the other. Some kids automatically use their arms and legs, others don't, Mm -hmm. and that has to get taught. Mm -hmm. Um, There's all kinds of ways to do that. And, you know, some of it is, is kind of up to the child too, but the way our techniques and our approach is presented to the child, we actually encourage them to engage and explore a little bit in the water, but it's, it's kind of a controlled situation where 
we use certain techniques to kind of show them what the the movements and the sequences should feel like, and then those get faded out. So the child and the environment takes over and we, we fade out of the picture. So they don't need us anymore. Wow. That's, (laughs) that's amazing. We love the sponsors of our podcast and are so grateful they allow us to keep the show going. So we just want to take a second and talk about one of our favorite brands. I love Osea and have been using their products since even before they were a sponsor of our podcast. Osea is one of my favorite clean and safe skincare brands. What goes on our skin is just as important to our overall wellness as what we eat. So we should pay the same attention to it. That's why I love Osea. I've used it since before I even had kids and love that it was safe through all of my pregnancies. I didn't have to think about switching up products when I got pregnant and it was just such a seamless transition. I've loved continuing to use it since and incorporating Osea's Underia Algae Body Oil into my daily routine just helps instantly moisturize and replenish my skin. Feels so smooth without feeling greasy or getting all over my clothes. And we all know how important skincare is to our faces, but we often neglect the rest of our body. Our skin is the largest organ, so it's wild that we only take care of part of it really well. The Andrea Algae Body Oil has such a refreshing scent, feels clean and light, but moisturizing and just makes my skin feel refreshed. You can try Osea risk-free for 30 days and get free shipping on orders over $50. They even send free samples with every order, which I love. And get 10% off your first order with our promo code LIVING at oseamalibu.com. That's 10% off with code LIVING at oseamalibu, O-S-E-A-M-A-L-I-B-U.com. 10% off with code LIVING at oseamalibu.com. What is the main difference between ISR and traditional swim lessons? I was just going to ask. <laughs> ISR definitely focuses on self-rescue, but I, I will say that there are a lot more swim programs that are starting to integrate, let's say, rolling over and floating into their curriculum. But traditional, it, that's almost an old term now. Traditional Back when I started teaching ISR was more group lessons, one child in the water, use of flotations, just learning how to blow bubbles in the water, just kind of pushing the child back and forth, you know, that kind of thing. And this is completely different. This is a very scientific behavioral science oriented program. There was a lot of research. That's why it's called Infant Swimming Resource, which mm-hmm. it used to be called Infant Swimming Research, but we don't do the research anymore. We've already got the technique. And so without knowing what other programs do, I do know that group lessons, really as a parent myself, I have found that group lessons are not as effective as one-on-one. Right. So one-on-one is definitely where your child is going to learn the fastest. Um, and with frequency, they pick the skills up, they retain them better. So traditional lessons are often maybe 45 minutes, once or twice a week. And so the retention isn't necessarily going to be there because there isn't a lot of frequency in practice. Consistency, yeah. yeah, consistency and kind of, we'll call it connecting the dots for the child. When they can connect the dots a lot faster when they're coming daily and short lessons then they don't get overwhelmed. They don't get tired. You know, they're, they're working the whole time and it will flow very nicely into the next lesson so that they're not getting too much at one time. The transformation that we've seen in the last five months in 
Atlas, and Luca, and honestly, Olivia, but Olivia has been doing it for three years now, Mm -hmm. um, is unreal. So Atlas is obviously our third child and he started at seven months old, which our other kids, I think we started at around one. And because Luca was kind of in the midst of the pandemic, yeah, he was a little over one when we started. And so Atlas really kind of got the jump start and mm-hmm. to watch him as such a baby really just learn to float and kick and, and do everything with you. I'm like, this is, <laughs> this is magic. The amount of lives that you have probably saved in doing the work that you do is that gives me chills. It does make me feel like I'm contributing in a major way. It, it's, yeah. it, it is more of a mission. It's not, yeah. I mean, anybody that, teachers ISR would say it's more of a mission mm-hmm. because they, they do it because they want to make a difference in the world. That's, that's kind of, this is one of those, I don't want to even call it a job. <laughs> this is one of those careers that it's just, that's just the way it is. Mm-hmm. And I started out as a nurse and I became um, acclimated and introduced to the program because the founders were working in my office. It was just a chance happening meeting. And so I mean, I literally begged them to train me <laughs> because wow. I, I saw it and I went back every day for two weeks and I couldn't believe it. I, I couldn't believe what I was seeing. It was like, it, I couldn't figure it out. That's what bothered me was I couldn't figure out how they were doing it. <laughs> and so to me, it looked like magic. Yeah. And so after I trained, it was like, wow. And then, I mean, every year, you know, you just, I just kept learning more and more and more. And it's just I mean, it's just become more than anything else in my life. So it's doesn't mean I don't lose sleep overnight <laughs> at nighttime sometimes. Well, I feel like that magic in it that you say is because you kind of, you look at an infant and you're like, well, they can't even walk. How could they learn how to swim? And so it's kind of, a, it really mm-hmm. is unbelievable to watch it happen. But, you know, once they do start learning how to walk, I want them to be able to to feel confident in the water and, and, you know, God forbid an older kid lets them in or, and and they fall in or just, I mean, I I see how easily that happens and it scares me to death. And, you know, it doesn't matter if we have a fence around the pool, things happen. And so just to have these tools is so important, but I guess we should definitely talk about floaties because this is something Olivia, when we first had Olivia, we thought, oh, this is so cute. Look at all these cute flamingo floaties and the rainbow floaties and even the ones where you sit them in and they've got the perfect little shade over them floaties. And we were in Palm Springs and we were like, oh, we look so fabulous. Our baby's in a floaty. (laughs) (laughs) And then we started ISR. We weren't with you then, um, but they were like, "Um, okay, stop the floaties right now. (laughs) And so... I would love for you to just speak about that. Okay. Yes. Yes. So no floaties, (laughs) no floaties. So there's several reasons for this. One is a major part is the way children learn in general is by physically interacting in whatever environment they're in. There's so much muscle memory. They don't, they don't function intellectually for a while. They are functioning based on touching feeling, tasting, smelling, everything is all through the senses. And so what happens when a child is placed in a flotation device is, sure, they can float around 
and they're safe and secure. They can have fun. They can spin around. So because they're in an environment and there's an element there that's actually supporting what they're learning, they're learning movements that absolutely conflict with any kind of safety or survival movement. So let's just say for a child, you really want them to be horizontal. Anybody that any person being vertical, it's a lot of work. For a child, they don't have the stamina to tread water. So being vertical from the flotation is not the posture you want a child to be in because now they're stuck and all they're going to do is fight to keep their face out of the water, which is another point. The flotation keeps their face out of the water. So the child doesn't think that, quote, swimming means you put your face in the water, hold your breath, get horizontal, get kicking and go anywhere. They're used to bicycle kicking, which is another factor, which is more of a stabilizing kick. It's not any kind of kick that is very efficient to move a child through the water. So you've got head out of the water, you have a vertical posture, you have bicycle kicking. And if they're in a a puddle jumper where their arms are just hanging to the side, they're not using their arms either. So there's nothing that that teaches the child in relation to swimming or floating other than being vertical. So the child is going to remember that their muscles, their whole body, everything about them is going to remember that. And if they ever go in the water, heaven forbid they fall in or they're like, I'm done with that. I don't want to wear those anymore. And they go in, they don't know that their body is not going to respond the same way. Mm. And then it becomes a dangerous situation. So So what I would want parents to think about is If they choose to put their child in any kind of flotation as a means of recreation and fun in the water, they have to think about what would it look like if their child fell into the water without the flotation on and they found them five minutes later. What would that look like? So, (laughs) yeah. Lisa, my my mind is blown because I think you know, kids are so much more capable than we ever give them credit for. And to know how much they can do in the water is amazing. And you're right. Floaties are so cute. And it's so fun to have that much fun with them in the water with floaties on. But I mean, of course, we want to do what's safest for them. For all the parents and caregivers out there that have been using floaties, what would be the steps that you would say to get out of a floaty? Do you tell your kids you're no longer going to be using floaties? And what are just a couple simple techniques to get your kid into the water without a flotation device? I mean, definitely you can't wean them off of it. It's either they have it on or they don't. Um, I think the first step is getting them out of it, letting them do some guided or supervised exploration. Let them put their own face in the water, show them their hand and tell them to get their hand. That's a, such a simple technique that encourages you know, children to, to explore that environment safely where the parent is right there, you know, hands-on or within reach. Work on a sunshelf and work, work that way. So children that I teach that have been in flotation devices, the number one behavior or skill that they need to learn is really how to hold their breath for one second open their eyes, eyes being open so they can see where they're going. I mean, that obviously is a, is a big part of it too. So, and I, I include eyes open with as part of teaching breath control. If they don't have their eyes open, they're not going to go anywhere and, and then they're going to panic. So teaching a child to hold their breath for one second and then two seconds and then three seconds. 
That's not very long, but it's a safe amount of time where the child could look around and look for a point of safety and teach the child where those points of safety are. Going back to the flotation, a child can just tool around the pool and spin around. There's no value to the steps. There's no value to the wall. In fact, they don't want to go there, so they push away from it. They're pushing away from the safety, the safety parts of the pool. And so I would I would tell a parent to work at teaching the child where the points of safety are and allow them some supervised exploration if they want to put their face in without jumping in. Haley, can we talk briefly about something we all deal with, especially new moms coming out of this past year? And that's our mental health and well-being. Who doesn't need help after this past year and especially moms? I've talked about it many times before and consciously try and be so open about it. And that's the benefit of counseling and the importance it has in all aspects of our life, whether it's our relationships, our relationship with ourselves, or the way we show up as a parent. I've loved partnering with BetterHelp for the podcast because I know the tremendous value counseling has on our everyday life. Whether you're struggling with the normal stress of parenting and balancing it all, anxiety, especially after the last year, difficult relationships, or just wanting to focus on being the best version of yourself, BetterHelp is there to help. BetterHelp is a professional counseling service that's done all online. They help assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist that you can start communicating with in under 48 hours. No longer are the days where you have to leave work early, sit in traffic, just to sit in an uncomfortable waiting room, waiting for your turn. With BetterHelp, it's so much more convenient, which we need as parents. You can connect in a safe and private online environment, all while being in the comfort of your own home or while going on a walk, which is what I do. You can send messages to your counselor at any time. You'll get timely responses, as well as the ability to schedule your weekly video or phone sessions. BetterHelp is committed to facilitating great therapeutic matches, so they make it easy and free to change counselors if you need it. They have licensed professional counselors who specialize in depression, stress, anxiety, relationships, sleeping, and so much more. With BetterHelp, you can get all of the expertise you need online. You're not just limited to the counselors in your area. I want you to start living a happier life today. As a listener, you'll get 10% off your first month by visiting our sponsor, BetterHelp, at betterhelp.com MFL. Join over 1 million people who have taken charge of their mental health. Again, that's BetterHelp. H-E-L-P dot com slash M-F-L for 10% off your first month. You know, Lisa, something that is that I'm getting out of this is I think when we think of ISR, sometimes we think of, you know, just rescue or safety, that it's this kind of harsh interaction with the water and learning how for them to, you know, save themselves. But really, it's such a gentle approach. You're really giving, working off the skills that they already have so that they can save themselves and have a positive relationship with the water. It should be a gentle approach. It should be a very safe approach. And that's what our organization is about. It is about safety. It is about helping the children build on very small approximations. And soon they're putting not just little sequences together, but full on skills together. So the other point I would like for parents to know is to select a swim instructor that matches their philosophy, what their goals are, choose somebody that's that will do one-on-one because you just can't beat it. And if possible, go and watch the lessons. Mm-hmm. I kind of compare it to finding the pediatrician that you want. You want someone that's going to listen. You want someone that's going to have compassion. 
You want someone that's going to know what to do, you know, on a, any situation. And so, I mean, that's kind of how I looked at it as a parent. I worked for pediatricians, but I encourage everyone, you, you should go and meet the person and watch them ask questions. I always would invite parents to come and watch me. I would let them know I wouldn't be able to have time to talk to them because there's one child in, then the next, then the next. But I would encourage them to talk to any parents whose children I, were t- I was teaching and ask them anything they wanted about me. That way, I'm not trying to sell myself, but they can see and then the, the parents can kind of give them some guidance and whatever else they want to tell them. I never really knew what they would tell them, but they would end up signing up. <laughs> so, <laughs> well, you're so you're so fun, but you the kids respect you. I mean, even little Luca, <laughs> who's so funny to watch in the water, it's so cute. But they respect you, but it's fun, and and they know what they can and can't do. And I think that that that's kind of the beauty in in your teaching. But it's no BS either. You know, I think that the water is something that you can't mess around with, that it's not like you can be wishy-washy in the water. Um, <laughs> it, you can't be wishy-washy in this. And, and I love that about you because it's like, no, we're not going to do this because eventually that this might save your life. And so it's been so fun to watch you and teach our kids. It's been so fun to watch our kids. I will say to any parents that have not done this, um, it is a little heartbreaking to watch at first. It's, it's hard. And sometimes you do kind of have to step away and just trust that this is going to save their life one day. But to know that at the end also, Olivia is so proud of herself in her swim. But I mean, even last summer we were laughing because she'd be like, Miss Lisa, Miss Lisa. <laughs> she still loved and respected you. But it was like, it, she just at first didn't want to get into it those first couple of days. It takes the, a few days. And I, I moved really fast with her. Do you remember? Yeah. And I said, we're going, we're going across the pool yeah. and we're going to move fast. Yeah. I will say, yes, it's, you know, there, there are going to be tears. There's emotions because it's human nature to yeah. avoid what we're not good at or what we feel uncomfortable with being uncomfortable and crying is not the same thing as fear. That's the other Point I really want to instill mm-hmm. in parents is just because a child is crying, they could be grabbing, screaming, pinching, biting, anything to get out of it. That doesn't mean that they're fearful because fears are learned emotions. And that is a very extreme emotion. Anxiety, normal and healthy. A little, some stress of learning something new, normal and healthy. But fear is way, way above that. Mm-hmm. And that's not something that should come into a lesson because there's no physical trauma. There's so much reinforcement that's going on and things are broken down to, to be tailored for the child at their age and development and their emotional state. Um, so an, another reason why we don't get parents in that often, because they would just be clinging on to you and we'd get nothing done in right. 10 minutes. <laughs> Right. So, I mean, Lucas, sits there the first lessons, cause it does take a minute. I will say that it might be hard to watch for the first few days, but just kind of push through that because it's so worth it on the other end. I mean, Luca would scream, mama. <laughs> and I was like, oh my gosh, Luca. But now he loves it. He jumps into you. He <laughs> dives into you. The kids love you. 
And so it's not this fearful thing, like you were saying, it just, right. it's, it's working different. through learning something new and working through the motions. So really what's happening is the skills are coming into it first, and that turns into competence, which turns into confidence. And that's the order that you really want to have when it comes to something that is, could be detrimental to a child's life. There's, you wouldn't teach a child to go ahead and like explore and put your hand in the fire. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Two main things come to mind. Number one is, is there, what is the ideal age to start ISR? And is there kind of a point where, is there something that's too late, right? Like what is the oldest age of a child to do ISR and, and what would be the ideal age to start? I love the younger ones. I love getting to them first before they have anything else that might affect them in the water. So they have to have it reach, they have to at least have reached the six month mark or they can't even be registered. So that means they have to have gone past those newborn reflexes that normally disappear around six months of age. So their body is functioning off a different part of the brain when the reflexes have disappeared. That's when you start to see them rolling over both ways on land, which is a big milestone for me. Um, If they can sit independently or tripod, that's great too. Rolling over both ways on land means they can roll over in the water. So that means front to back, back to front um, for for an infant. So six months at least. And then I actually have a seven-year-old right now that never had lessons, was terrified of the water. And he's swimming the length of the pool now in two weeks. The older children don't take very long if they've never had any experience in the water. So kind of getting a child fresh, it almost doesn't matter what age they are. Generally, the biggest population is between six months and six years though. And how can someone find an ISR instructor? We have a national website. It's infantswim.com. And then on the homepage, there's a, a little section that says find an instructor. And all the parent has to do is type in their zip code. And then within a 20, it defaults at 20 miles. So within 20 miles, however many instructors that are within that range, they'll pop up. Our kids will, they'll do the initial ISR and then we do refreshers Mm -hmm. just because I think like you were talking about, the consistency just helps them learn it and continue to feel so much more confident. So, Mm -hmm. you know, don't just take a class and say, okay, we're good. The refreshers, I feel like have been really key for us. And that's how we found you actually. They really are. That's, that is just as important because if a, if a child doesn't come back and then they get in the water, I think their brain kind of messes with their mind a little bit. And, and so they start thinking, oh, I can't do that. Or they're nervous. It's kind of like getting back on a horse and you haven't been on for a long time and you're a little nervous and you, or getting back on a bicycle and you're kind of wobbly and you kind of have to feel your way. Well, you really want someone that has teaching hands to be able to to kind of put them through those motions again and help them build their confidence. Generally within a couple of days, they're right back doing their skills again, but better, better, stronger, more efficient. So that's kind of how it goes. And then they realize, oh, I already know this. Right. It blows my mind with kids, but a little consistency and just repetition. It's just, it's, it's amazing how much they pick up. Do you have like a funny story you could tell us? Do you have any funny swim ISR stories with kids? Because I know... You know, <laughs> it, it, it happens daily. I, I laugh all day long. I have this little toddler 
cute as can be. And she's on her back learning to float. And she starts singing Twinkle, Twinkle, Little Star. (laughs) There's just, I think it's really just some of the cute things that they say, you know, or I'll be rubbing their back and they'll start patting my back. (laughs) There's just just so many things. The list could go on and on. I feel like kids just keep us young and I feel like it reminds me to be more childlike in how Mm -hmm. I live my life. It's been so refreshing, so hard to have kids, but also so refreshing (laughs) just to be like, oh, I remember doing that as a kid. Why don't I still do that? Yeah. It brings out so much joy, right? Like when we can tap in and be present with our kids in that that fun way. If you're trying to get into ISR and waiting to get into a class, but you do have a pool at your house, just obviously do all the swim safety things. And you could probably help mention a few, but I was just thinking something we do at our house and we communicate it to everybody that's in our house and it's lock the doors at all times. And I know Olivia is old enough to unlock the door, but it's just it's something we talk mm-hmm. about and communicate quite a bit, even though we have a fence around our pool. It's like, you just never know. So that's one thing we do. Is there anything else that like swim safety things, if parents are waiting to get into ISR that they can do beforehand? There, there is something that comes to mind, but it's, it's related more towards when we have siblings. Maybe there's an older sibling, like maybe an eight-year-old, and then maybe there's a two-year-old. Yeah. And I do encourage parents to set up what I call a no touching rule. So the only ones that should be touching a a child would be an adult. So that means adult adults need to be in the water with their child before flotation devices, all of that. Mm -hmm. We all had to get in with our kids and that, and that just promotes family time, fun time. So I think a lot of parents should consider getting back to that and not using flotations mm-hmm. as, and I hate to use the word babysitter, but uh, sort of a security for them thinking that nothing's going to happen. So the no touching rule is if there's more than one child in the same family or cousins that they don't try to hold on, they don't try to touch, grab, hold on, because then it turns into clinging on. And you know, even an eight-year-old may not be able to hold up a, a three-year-old in the water. Right. And then you have you know, two kids struggling. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's such I a good tip. That, yeah, it is such a good tip. And just to piggyback off of what you said, just the communication to the older child of reinforcing, we don't open the gate mm-hmm. unless you're with an adult. Um, because that scares me too. Now that Olivia is getting old enough to, to maybe reach over the gate or at least step up on something to reach over the gate, but just having those conversations pretty regularly has been important with us. I think that's a great, that's a great idea. And everyone should follow that. And if an older sibling, regardless of how old they are, unless they're more of adult size, mm-hmm. if they see a smaller child in trouble to get an adult. So if let's say a five-year-old sees the two-year-old is in the pool, they shouldn't try to go rescue them. They should try and go yell for help, get an adult and let the adult handle it. Just mm-hmm. so there's not two tragedies. That's such a simple tip, you know, to that you can keep reinforcing with your kids that if you ever see someone in, in trouble anywhere, but especially in the water to go get an adult. Mm-hmm. Wow, Lisa, I love talking to you. I, I love getting to see you every day when you teach our kids, but this mm-hmm. has been really fun just getting to it sit down and, and talk about this. One last question before we go is what made you feel full this week? 
It could be anything. Oh gosh. What made me feel full? What makes me feel full a lot of times is talking to my family, my, talking to my own children when I'm, when I'm away. They're adults now, my children are, but I love talking to them. They always make me feel full and it makes me go back and remember when they were little because of what I'm doing. I have a lot of students that are swimming in clothes this week and next week. That makes me feel full because they're doing a really good job. And that's like the end of the session, right? Yeah. Towards the end of the session. Yes. If they they fall in with clothes on, how do they get out? Yeah. Or to at least roll over on their back and float. Depends on the pool. If they can actually get to um, the edge or the steps or whatever. That makes me feel full. And just waking up and feeling good makes me feel full. <laughs> you know, it's, you know, when you hear about tragedies and things in the news, I just read about a little boy that swam to shore because his dad and sister were got caught up in a current. This was in Florida. This was just a few days ago. I think it was over last weekend and he swam to shore and he saved them and, because he, got, he was able to get help. He was only seven years old. And he like swam for an hour or something amazing yes. to get out. Yeah. Oh my gosh. That things like that make you realize that life is so precious. And I think we all just need to be reminded of that on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. You know, just the little things in life. One of my students brought me some lavender buds and she's 18 months old. Oh. And she picked them and wanted to give them to me. That made me feel full. <laughs> Oh, I love that. <laughs> so cute. It's so cute. Well, I love your full moments. Those thank you. Those made me feel full. And um, thank you so much for being here. Thank you again for letting me enjoy this moment and be here at your home and work with your children. It's a privilege. Oh, thank you. I should be thanking you because our kids can swim because of you. Thanks so much for listening. We hope you found something meaningful from this episode. Please follow the show, rate, and don't hesitate to write a little review. We also have a voicemail box you can call to ask us any questions, tell us the topics you'd like covered, or just share where you're struggling and how you could use some extra support. Call 833-444-FULL or 833-444-3855. We want to hear from you. And tune in every Monday for a new episode of Meaningful Living. And if you're looking for more ways to live a meaningful life, follow us on Instagram at Meaningful Living and visit our website, MeaningfulLiving.com. And don't forget with two L's. Can't wait to see you next week.